That's not how it goes. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast where just three fucking regular guys, chumps even, read a book and then discuss it. We like to keep things simple here. We are your chumps, here to talk some chapters. Today, we are going to be discussing chapters 8 and 9 of book 2 of The Two Towers. Which is the second book in the trilogy of The Lord of the Rings. Right. Which or like, is it, is it, is it, is it even, is it called book four? I'm like blanking right now. Is it, is it book two within the two towers or is it going off of a <clears throat> fellowship and it's actually been like books three and four in the two towers? Do I'm checking now. We are it's, in book four. We are right. According to my copy. Yeah, no, I, and I honestly like I'm, I'm, Kind of wondering, like, maybe this whole time I've just been saying it wrong because I don't look at the book all the time, but, but like, the books, the the books within the books accumulate, right? There's book one and two within Fellowship, and then three and four within Two Towers, and then I guess presumably we'll get five and six in Return of the King. It's like so, books uh, over here, huh? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, we, we have read more books than we give ourselves credit for, actually. It's like, <laughs> oh, here we are about to finish... You know our second book, the Two Towers, but it's like, is it really? Because we are kind of about to finish our fourth book, in a way. Yeah, yeah. And the good thing with the, uh, there, the good know, thing with knows? Tolkien is is he he knows how to give uh, value. All of his books are two for the price of one. Gotta love it. That that is that is really true. And I feel and like re- at the time he was writing them, it's like very business savvy. You know, it's like, oh, two two books, really? Wow. Okay. Sold. It's funny because it's not- you know we've been saying a lot about how like, oh well, the Lord of the Rings is like an unofficial trilogy. Really, it's just like one one work. But if it's six books in total, would that not make it a? Sex trilogy. Sextology. Sex trilogy. Sex tr- sextology. Sextology. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't remember my uh, suffix there. A sex trilogy uh, yeah. would be a trilogy of books about sex. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Which yeah, Tolkien almost made. You know, I've, yeah. I've heard he he almost penned the sex trilogy before he went to the sextology. Well, you it's can read the last three Dune books for that. That is so <laughs> true. And you could even listen to Connor and I uh, eyes, which yes. is a word. Connor and eyes. That's, <laughs> you, that's you, correct. You could even word. listen. You, you could even listen to our podcast on that Dune Dudes, where we yeah. discuss those very books. The famous sex trilogy. Oh. We have the sex trilogy of Dune. <laughs> so what, you're, what I'm hearing is, if, read so many if books. They, if they make those. If they just make the entire Dune franchise into movies over the next 20 years, within about 10 years or so, we'll see uh, it'll just turn into like hardcore porn or something. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, it they will are going to have to change the rating. Let it, me tell you, you yes, are not going to yes. get a PG 13 chapter house. That's all I'm saying. PG 13. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Isn't there literally like an orgy in the, in the next movie coming up? Yes. <laughs> or at least in the part of yeah. the book that the movie covers. Yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah, there all is. Right. And it better be. There is. Wow. Have they announced, have they announced the rating for I want to see <laughs> the movie? Thing. God, it is PG Frank Herbert. Okay, yeah, so that's probably uh, <clears throat> subdued at the very least. Yeah, I mean, even even in the even in the book itself, there's not a lot of description for it. Uh, to the point where I was on, like, "Wait, did they just?" Okay, yeah, but but later on, let me tell you, uh, nothing, it gets a bit nothing's, more. Nothing's detailed. left to the imagination. Yeah. Uh, understood. At any rate, <clears throat> um, that's yeah, a future so, dune dudes. So here we are. Conversation. <laughs> yes. Yes. So so here we are. We are uh, very nearly done with the two towers. We're gonna discuss um, these two chapters, and then there's only one chapter left after this. So you can look forward to our final chapter and overall book discussion in the next episode. Um, this is our penultimate episode discussing the two towers. Penultimate episode of the penultimate book. Yes. I love saying the word penultimate. It's a really, it's a great word. Um, I think I throw a T in there that I that shouldn't be there. I, and I think we have even talked about that. That before, yes. Yes. We've even done, because I like to say penultimate so much, we have had this conversation where you were like, really? Penultimate? Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty damn sure. And, and then I, I found out I was wrong. Have, but I and refused, <laughs> and refused to uh, change my ways because I am not an English major. <clears throat> That's, I mean, hey, I. I get it. I get it that we're, it's like you're, you're used to pronouncing something a certain way. And in fact, talking about Dune Dudes. Go back and listen to like the our, our first three book discussions on on Dune dudes, uh, Dune, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune. And every time, every time, I say Benny Gesserit, I'm saying Benny Gesserit. I held on to that <laughs> for so long before I was like, all right, I I get it. You know, that I is true. Up. Yeah, it took it took it's Benny Gesserit. It took a few books to get you there. It really did. I mean, I and then the movie solidified it. it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. It's 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 true. It's Benny Gesserit. It is. You know. I mean, I I can admit when I'm wrong. Um, but yeah. So we we are we are on the the precipice, on the very cusp of uh, finishing the two towers. How do you feel nearing the end of this book? Honestly, a little relieved. I don't know. I I feel like this book hasn't been as, or this this second half of the book hasn't been as uh, engaging when I read as as the first half was. So I, I kind of want to move on to what's next. Yeah, I get that. You've kind of you voiced that before, and interestingly. I'm not Connor, saying that- I believe, has 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 kind of said the opposite, where he feels like maybe the latter half has been a bit more interesting to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, I, yeah, I was just going to say that uh, I, I'm not saying the content isn't interesting. I'm just saying when I'm reading it, I find I found the first part more engaging when I read, or at least in my memory of it, which at this point is strewn across like four months. So, eh. oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. But, yeah, I think uh, it's a good thing we're having like a, a whole book discussion next time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm because... really excited for the general book discussion for this one. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think they're, um, uh, you know, I, I did like the first half and um, I thought it was interesting getting, um, you know, the journey of uh, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas and the others. Yes. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, of, of good stuff in there, but it, it did feel like a little bit of a slog. Um, as far as my main, my main, you know, concern always being, it just feels like walking around the woods, you know, regardless of if, if there are marshes or fields or plains, whatever. Um, I mean, that's what the whole second half is. I know. It's just them walking. (laughs) Except for the two chapters they spent with Faramir, which was also just like, you're not wrong. All right, let's nap. (laughs) You're not wrong about that. Um, but there's something much more interesting in the dynamic between Frodo, Sam, and and Gollum to me. That um, okay. That keeps it, you know that 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 makes me not mind the the wandering so much. And the terrain is like a bit more deadly and um, you know interesting than 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 what the other gang was was. The what we grew up through. in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think I, th- I think those are the main reasons why the second half so far has has uh, held my interest more. Okay. Have you, Connor? Yeah, I get that. I get that. I was gonna say it's funny because you kind of made a point, like, oh yeah, walking around the woods is more of a. <clears throat> it's it's more of a way of writing than literally being in the woods. But I was gonna say like. There are no woods in Mordor to to walk around in. I was gonna be kind of a <clears throat> a stickler, but um, it's just it's just funny. You already addressed that. What do I think? Um, you know, I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because you two fall on not extreme ends because I know we both liked um, each you know each part of the book, but. You know, my main thing is it's not even like that I necessarily like one part of the book over the other and and more that like I think it's interesting that the book is split into two halves at all and and how distinct they feel cuz in fellowship when you get the separation of the books it still feels like a continuation of the same story. Right. But with the two towers when the the first book of it ends book 3 it's like, well, that's the conclusion of that narrative for this book. You're not getting anything else with Gandalf. You're not getting anything else with Aragorn. Like, that's done. You have to wait until Return of the King. You're getting this entirely different story. And so, just the fact that The Two Towers is like this game of two halves, I find to be really interesting. And I guess if I had to pick one that I liked more than the other... I kind I kind of do agree with you Connor where like the small scale dynamic of this group of characters with 
Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, I, I think for me as a reader, creates more suspense and intrigue than like the grander scope of the first half, which is like focused on the culmination of like these 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 big battles, you know, between armies. But I, I think maybe it's more the way that Tolkien writes. You know, it's like when you get to that big battle, when when, when you get to Helm's Deep in the first half of that book, I, I don't think that Tolkien as a writer is like very interested in describing like the battle itself. So so for me it didn't feel like it was like reaching this climax, you know, where where all this tension was released through through the pages describing this battle. The most interesting parts of that of that battle were like the discussions that were had. I remember when Aragorn was talking to Theoden, like I thought their conversation was really interesting. And when uh, Gimli and Legolas were, like, you know, trading quips with each other on how many orcs they killed, that was really interesting. When Aragorn addresses, like, the horde of orcs, that was interesting. And I guess I guess where I'm landing at here is, like, I feel like Tolkien's strengths, again, speaking for myself, have been more with, like, his dialogue and his character dynamics. And so I, I do think, like this second half of the two towers has a lot more opportunity for that to be brought to the forefront. And, and so I have liked reading that more, even though if you were to describe it, I think it would, it would sound more boring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a good point, and and a lot of it is kind of, uh, you know, the the you know, I'm I'm thinking too that maybe the impact of having Fran, uh, Frodo and Sam and and Gollum, um, the the second half of the book, it 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 feels like there was a build up to it, and so now it's kind of satisfying, you know, it's like oh, this is what I wanted to 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 get right away, even though the first half wasn't bad. That's true because every episode, every episode of uh, book three of the Two Towers, we're we're talking about like, wow, still no Sam and Frodo, still nothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, it's like, oh, it's just not happening, you know. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, Tolkien certainly practices the art of withholding here, and I, I think to you know some some very real payoff. So that that'll be cool to dig a little deeper on when we when we get to our general book discussion. Um, okay, Agreed. I I think with uh, you know with that start there, I'm I'm ready to jump into the chapters themselves. If you are, let's do it. <clears throat> Give us that synopsis. Yes. So we're starting with uh, chapter eight, the stairs of Sirith Ungol. And so, um, largely, this this chapter is uh, yes, Josh. That's just a funny name. Sirith <laughs> <laughs> Ungol. Yeah. Have I mentioned that I I'm tired today and therefore loopy? Yes. Yeah, that, that'll be fun. We get a bit of loopy, Josh here. So, 
Yeah, we'll see yeah. how long it lasts. I'm, I, I'm, I am currently what this episode has in store for us, guys. I just found the coolest thing on Twitter. I'm currently I'm gonna, running on sugar right now. I'm going to share this in the <laughs> chat. I think Loopy Josh will love this. Okay, so, ju- so wow. ju- just just get ready this for is, it. Okay, I'm not looking forward to this. this uh, I all right, cannot. the group, the the the, the call the, chat. Yes. Yeah. It's and and it's it's totally relevant to what we were just talking about, which is really cool. Uh, I see the scripts me I put totally it there relevant. a month ago. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Wait, what ch- what chat? Are All you right. sending anything? Have you the video anything? chat. I'm sending it right now. Okay. Tell me what the if fuck? you like it. It's in oh, the same vein um, of what I was expecting. It's that, just a, that it's has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It is surprisingly in the about? same vein that I I was expecting, just a completely different set of characters. Do do either of you want to describe what's going on in the picture? Why does why is this on your Twitter? That's why a, do you find this shit on question. your Twitter? I would like to talk about that. Well, first, that's a great question. For, do either of you want to describe for the listeners what the picture is? No, oh. no I no. think that is the ju- can, the job of our lovely narrator. Uh, uh, fuck, I. I Host. I don't actually. It's it's just some some cool um, artwork that uh, is on it a is train. An egg. It that is, is an, an egg. It is an egg that looks like Peter Griffin, and a very anthropomorphic chicken. No, no, sorry, just, uh, anatomically correct just, chicken. It is just railing this chicken. I mean, yeah. just like pounding back shots into this chicken. It's disgusting. It's a be- it's a beautiful scene. It's a- it's just a, like a nature scene, you know. It's uh But you know what is on a, funny? It on a box car yeah. of some sort. I the thing is is that I at the risk of sounding incredibly pretentious about like just the fucking worst scum of the earth art that you just sent me. I get it. There we go. Thank you. That's, that's all you had to say. I knew you would. Honestly, I, I was expecting it would. to be Sonic characters. <laughs> no, well, I mean, because it, it's it's a it's a play on words. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, Connor. What is it? What is it? Well, I mean, in this in this scenario, which one do you think the like? Like, what's the answer to that question? Uh, no, no, I'm asking you. I'm asking you, what do you think the answer is? What do, what, what do you think that this, oh, I think this gonna, image is... Peter it, comes first. He's, you know, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think the chicken's going to come. In this, in this, in, in, you know, I mean, I don't think it's for the chicken's pleasure in this instance. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know what's fucked up? What came first, chicken or the egg? In this case, the okay. egg is, is, is definitely okay. going to come first. I, I really I uh yeah. This has just been uh, horrible that you did this. <laughs> just he derailed and, us again. You know, it, exactly. We've been we, from when we started. We're like talking about Lord of the Rings, general book discussion, getting into the chapters, and then Connor has to fucking do this shit. We've said that he's like the little goblin. He's like the cosmic imp. I mean, you guys are... He's, he's you, Gollum. You know, but not only that, I mean, like, because what what is what is with you guys? Yeah, I'm calling both of you out right now. Connor and Josh. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? Do you think at any point during our podcast discussion, I'm sitting here, like, looking at my phone, 
scrolling through the, the fucking endless <laughs> depths of the internet? Do you think I'm ever, ever not just engaged in a conversation with you? What the fuck is wrong with you guys? I have undiagnosed It's disrespectful. <laughs> no, I mean, I... I and, it, and it leads to a worse podcast yeah. because you guys are just, like, fucking checked out well, looking at... No, here's the thing. At, at like, essentially, at, at, at essentially porn... <laughs> where Peter Griffin That's what he's looking at. Egg is fucking a chicken. Josh, don't pretend this that you don't look at porn while we're podcasting. I just go check the news. This is what you are doing while we are trying to have a book discussion. I mean, if we were all together in person, if this was a conversation that was happening together in person and you were just scrolling through your fucking phone, I'm sorry to bring up boomer energy here. You're just scrolling through your fucking phone. <laughs> what the fuck message does that send? What the fuck kind of... We talk once a week. Once a week. And I'm sorry. Is this boring for you? I I just really... You know, sometimes I see stuff and I think, I want to share that with my friends. And I'm sorry that uh, my texts have not been going through to the group chat uh, this past week because my cell phone is is broken. Uh, so this is my only chance like that I have to share with you guys. Oh, I thought... I just thought that... We were ignoring those <laughs> when he when he texted that kind of shit. Oh no! I mean, you don't Connor, even, Connor you don't even know. his group chat is broken. And we're, <laughs> we're just not saying anything. No, the, there's there's so I, much. I legit, I legit haven't. No, I legit haven't gotten anything from you in the last couple days. So, like you know, I don't care if you guys ignore it. Like I, I just need to know that you've seen it. That's that's all that I you know I, I just care. And I turn off read receipts, which by the way is great. I really love that yeah. your phone's been broken. Um, <laughs> don't fix it. Um, <laughs> this has been a great change of events. But uh, but but no, I think um, you know I think it's just a different styles of of uh, of engagement. You know, uh, you know I think Josh did hit it on the uh, head. You know, he says he has undiagnosed ADHD. I have diagnosed ADHD. Um, I, think we, I think it's just kind of a. Uh, I think it might might stem from that, but uh, you know, we all do our best with with what we got. You know. Plus, I look at your faces all the time. I, I for I've been looking at your faces for like fifteen plus years. I, I, I look away quite often, quite a bit. Yeah, it's like it. if I want to look at a picture of Peter Griffin banging a chicken. Um, you know, I can do something. do that on do that on specific task on your own time. What you know? What's crazy? It's also great content. You know, I I really I really hate this, but like the more I think about it, it kind of feels like it's it works on another level because uh, you know, Family Guy and like the chicken, like that's like a thing. You know, <laughs> he's derailing you again. You realize this, right? I just think maybe this what? goes deeper than we oh. first thought. We're, we're so far off the rails now. I think maybe Peter's going deeper than we first thought. Oh, I, I mean, much deeper. Um, my question is, is what? Uh, so what's the deal with the chicken on that show? I forget. I don't. I'm not as big of a Family Guy fan as as you guys are. Uh, I haven't watched Family Guy in years, but. I forget I mean, why they started fighting, but every time they they sh- the chicken shows up, he just they just start fighting. Josh, I mean, you I know think, he's you know he's baiting you, right? Yeah, but I actually had an answer for that. <laughs> I can't help it. Is I can't it, help it. I have to talk about the chicken. So, is it more of like a love hate relationship they have on the show? You know, itchy and scratchy. 
uh, from the Simpsons. Yeah, it's yeah. more like that. Like they they exist in the same scene, therefore they must fight. No, 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 no. Wiley Coyote knows, and the Grove Runner. Potter knows more about Peter Griffin and the chicken than he does about Itchy and Scratchy, and I'm not gonna let him pretend that he doesn't. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you play this little character where you're like, I oh just, yeah, I, know I really Itchy and Scratch. I, you have not I fucking really watched don't. an episode of The Simpsons in your goddamn life. I, I okay. I would say I know very little of both. I know Itchy and Scratchy are a TV show, right? They're part of a TV show on The Simpsons. And you know what? I think you know more about Peter Griffin and the chicken than I, you were letting on. I have no idea. I think idea. you are feigning ignorance. I swear to God. I think you are playing dumb. I vaguely recall um, the the chicken on the show. I don't, but that's 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 as, as far as I. What do you have What do you recall? What do you recall? Um. Well, I mean, you know, when you say that they they fight, that 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 kind of rings the bell, but nothing specific. Is that it? They they fight for no reason. I think they give a reason in each episode. But that's oh, okay, it. so it's like episode specific. Like they like, like they bump happens. into each other. One of them spills oh. their drink, kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Who's usually at fault in those um, incidents? I think it's usually Peter. Oh, okay. And do you think is there ever a hint of romance at the end of those fights? Not that I remember. Uh, I haven't that, seen a. F- not that would I haven't watched. I haven't watched sense. a. I haven't watched a peanut. Uh, a Peter Griffin uh, chicken <laughs> fight in. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched one I'm of those sorry, fights in at I least five years. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I, if only if only Peter was drawn as a peanut in this image. But um, I mean, let me tell you, I think he. There's a couple on his chin. Nuts. He is nothing. He is nothing. Well, guys, you know, I am sorry. Uh, I, I, I know once I get you guys started on Family Guy, it's hard to get you guys to stop. This, is, but I do this think we has should, been an awful discussion. I do think we should get back to the Absolutely. Book. How far into the book are we? I do think we should get back we to are, the Lord of the Rings. We're 25 minutes into this r- train wreck. <laughs> that can't be right. That I didn't know you right. guys had so much to say about Family Guy. I really didn't. Do you feel like... Uh, to bring it back to what we've discussed here, do you, do you feel like there are any moments in these chapters where, much like how Connor is asking, are there any, are there any bro- moments of of uh, romance between Peter and the chicken? Do you feel like there are any moments of romance between any of the characters in these chapters? Frodo and Sam. Sam literally said, "I lo- said to himself that he loved Frodo." Yeah, and there's Does also it... some hand holding. Yeah, the lewdest of acts. You know, I, I I've always as watching the movies. You know, I feel like um, they they have they have been good like uh, roommates, flag bearers <laughs> for for like you know showing showing like healthy and positive Shit. male friendship and 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 like showing that um you know for for men to say that like they love each other and appreciate their bond with one another and like and like um engage in these acts of like um Teaching appreciation and, and camaraderie <laughs> uh that I, I guess I've always appreciated it as as being like, well, you don't have to um, 
you know, feel insecure about expressing about how you love another man through friendship. It's guy that's love. Always been, that's always been big through the films. And so I don't want to just completely paint over that and, and be like, oh, well, then that that can't be true of the book. because Like, it would kind of defeat the point to be like, oh, well, do you think Frodo and Sam are gay? Because I think that that also kind of misses, like, well, I, I think we can appreciate that, that Tolkien very well may just be, um, you know, por- portraying, like, a very real, um, like, bond of friendship and... Uh, What's 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 that? What's that word for like when you love someone but like it's not romantic? Platonic. Word for that. Platonic. Platonic love. Thank you. Platonic love. Guy and love. so I I don't want to just say like oh well, it, it's one way or the other. And I know we're jumping far ahead here, but I mean we gotta say way somehow. Did did any of the moments here jump out at you between Frodo and Sam? And do you feel like you you have any thoughts on on how you interpreted that? Whether that might be platonic or romantic? Uh, personally, I've I've been interpreting a lot of this as a similar vein. I've been I've been popping with Guy Love the last two minutes, but uh, the same vein as Turkey JD from Scrubs. Um, maybe a different flavor because they're not as um, energetic as Turk and JD are. Um, but the the last chapter when they when they they go to sleep in the little cave or wherever they're hiding um, did make me reconsider that for just a moment of like is there actually something more going on here? Like this would be more than enough for the internet to go wild, and it probably has. And I just haven't. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Seen any of that? But, um, like I, I, I've been on the internet enough to know that what I'm reading in this book now is the the beginning of so many things you do not want to read on the internet, <laughs> or do, depending depending on, on what you like. Personally, inclination. personally. Not for me. Yeah, um, I no, I think Josh is totally right. Uh, I think it it really so far to this point, it's there. Uh, yeah, it's not solidified enough to to pinpoint one way or another. Because because Connor, I know in this situation, if you and I were running through these caves or whatever, we'd be holding hands. Of course, we would. You know. Yeah, you we, best you best fucking, fucking believe it. Yeah. Um. So. So. Yeah. I mean. I. I would be. I would be the chicken to your egg in this situation. It's like. I, I, you know. It's like. Yeah. No. I mean. And. Uh, it's. We. We. We would come together. You know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's scary. It's a scary it's, situation. It I don't want to be in the dark. It is. It's terrifying. Giant spider. It's I know. Like... I know. Um. But no. I. It, so. So I think like whatever interpretation. Um calls out to you personally i think i think both are valid you know i th- i i can see points in in either camp and either are are cool with me i guess um and i don't think it's gonna be uh, you know i more or less know it's not gonna 
end on a clear note, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's what I say thus far. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely... I'm, I'm with that, and I like what you both have to say about it. I do think, <clears throat> especially moments like these, it feels like, yeah, you know, it kind of is up to your interpretation. Like, what do you get out of it? What are you, you know... And, and a lot of that comes from, like, what are your experiences, like, coming to the story? You know, it's like so much of what you bring to a story, you know, oftentimes can be reflected back at you in ways that we... Um, we're not always like cognizant of um, not to say that that would be the only way for you to be like, Oh yeah, well, you know, they must be gay. Like, because that, that's what I'm coming to the story as like it, it's not as um, it's not as simple or cut and dry as that. But, but essentially, you know, I feel like there, there are as many interpretations of this as like, there are you know, individuals with their own experiences uh, sure, but I do. I do have to say that reading through these chapters, reading through these moments, I took notes of them, wanting to bring them up <clears throat> because because they felt more significant than something to just gloss over. Like regardless of your interpretation, if you're like, yeah, you know, this this shows like more of the platonic um, brotherly kind of love that they have that is maybe expressed differently now in 2023 than what we might consider to be as as normal in the 1950s especially under like extreme situations and also especially under Tolkien writing as someone who had like gone to war and um, must have had like very intense moments of brotherhood and, and camaraderie I think you know, without having like done further research, this is this is me extrapolating from that. But like my assumption mm -hmm. is like I could very much see how that would come to pass from from Tolkien as an author. Um, and then like Josh was saying, you know, observing these these same moments written in the fifties as a modern day reader in twenty twenty three, and being like, wow, you know, if I saw this as a show on Netflix, then you better believe people would be drawing fan art of it. And it's like, yeah, both of those things are true. And I think you just come away with, with which one, uh, you know, rings, rings more true uh, to yourself as a reader. You know what I'm surprised at? Just now that you, you connected to like modern, like reactions to this, is that, that no one's trying to freaking ban the, the Lord of the Rings showed you due to explicit content or some bullshit like that. In fact, I don't know. Yeah. If, I wonder if Lord of the Rings has ever been banned and what, for what, reason, what reasons I could kind of see like some sort of like satanic panic mm -hmm. reasoning any ideas. like 40 years ago. I'm not trying to, I'm just speculating out loud. Um, and I, I might regret that, but I heard DeSantis um, listens every week. <laughs> uh, <I hope> not. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of hope so. We need we know all the listeners we can get. I'm not gonna. I'm not I'd be a little picky. I'd be a little picky. <laughs> okay, Desantis, get the fuck out of here. All right, you've <laughs> you've been excommunicated. Get the fuck out. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, I, I I hear you. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
they I, I think regardless of the interpretation, they they still are interesting moments to shout out. I think it's it's yeah. uh, cool that Tolkien included them at all. And like you know when we when we started reading Fellowship, um, we we picked up right away on just how one sided the bond between Sam and Frodo was. Just and here like, we are at the end of the two towers. I think at the very least, excuse me. You know, it's worth acknowledging that we cannot say the same anymore. And and at the time reading through fellowship, we speculated like, oh, you know, maybe maybe the way uh Frodo seems like more ambivalent, you know, or 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 a little more like, you know, he doesn't he doesn't really care. Like he doesn't really care about Sam. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, it's not what we expected, but maybe that's done as a starting point to contrast how their relationship develops. I think this is a good point to like zoom in on and be like, I you know, I think we were right in in calling that because you know, I don't think anyone here has that that same interpretation now. It doesn't feel like a one-sided relationship. No. They've been through like this very uh, traumatic, you know, harrowing experience that they're still not over yet either. And you know, very clearly, the 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 bond is mutual. Yeah, you know, whatever else yeah. can be said. And the weird thing is, like, I couldn't tell you where that bond between them really changed from the ambivalent Frodo to what we're seeing now maybe when sam chases him down at the river but i i don't know i i feel like that's he was still pushing him away and only kind of took him along to do some logical leap of logic for right. uh, for how i understood it but again that was a whole book ago so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I think that's that's true and and i think you know, to to Tolkien's credit, you know there there isn't just one moment, uh, like with with uh, Legolas and Gimli, where he literally just writes, and now they're best friends. <laughs> Which it's still kind of crazy that he that. did that. Um, yeah, we, we don't get such a moment. I think that their relationship feels much more natural, and that it it ebbs and flows. It, it's not. It doesn't necessarily feel like <clears throat> like it's structured by an author in a story where it's like, oh, you know, this is the the author's penning the pivotal moment. You know, this is exactly the point you can you can focus on to say this is when it happened. I think it's more about like their collective experiences over time. I wouldn't and even how their say mood has changed from that. I I I'd agree that you know th those are two different. Um ends of a spectrum as far as friendships go because you know i i wouldn't say gimli and legolas it, it is like an unrealistic friendship um the way it kind of sprang yeah. out because there's a real type of guy that i'm sure we've all known that are like very competitive or whatever and like at each other's throats and then something happens and then suddenly they click and, and they're the it's like they're on the same page and they're the same type of competitive or the same t and, and they're suddenly you know bros or whatever right like like that's a real type of like masculinity that that happens yeah. sometimes you're right um where you know it's it's a rivalry turn friendship um but frodo and sam um are not made of that same kind of stuff 
Um, so, I don't know. It took took time to grow into their 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 relationship. Yeah, true. And we still have uh, one more chapter and a whole other book left. So it will be interesting to see how how that develops if if indeed it does in any way. Um, all right, so I think we're, we're truly going to get into the uh, chapter discussion. Um, essentially, forty-five minutes in, it's fine. It's fine. That's not that's not accurate to the actual length of the episode. Wait, I've got really one more picture to show you guys. I'm not no, you do not. It. I'm not even going to look <laughs> at it. Just kidding. So, so the stairs of Sirith Ungle. Um, you know where where the last chapter left off. Uh, Smeagol has led them to this crossroads, um, and it's an interesting place. I didn't really consider the crossroads as much last chapter, but I was thinking about it at the beginning of this one, and like you know, yet again, they're kind of given this like a crossroads is so representative of like the uh, diametric nature of certain choices, and you know they're they're essentially asked. Yet again, do you continue into danger or do you, uh, you know, turn back or or redirect yourself towards safety? And at every turn, they, they always continue into the danger. Yes, Josh? So you're saying they're taking the highway to the danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think I would. I think I would say that. In my head, I was like, I was like, what's that song again that goes like, <laughs> they're going to the danger zone? Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Um, Glad to be of service. But, I, and I'll actually, I'm kind of want to come back to that idea. I'm not going to jump so far ahead where we, we get off track again, but I'm going to want to come back to this idea of the characters being danger made zone. to choose between danger and safety. Um,. But at any rate, yeah, so they, they continue uh, onto the path uh, toward Sirith Ungle. They, as they, as they go, they have to, like, go over this bridge, and um, they, they can see Minas Morgul. Um, and, and from there, Frodo feels, like, compelled to go toward it. And Smeagol and Sam stop him, and and in that moment, this uh, army bursts forth from the gates, and um, the leader of that horde seems to be the Lord of the Nazgul. Um, something else. The one else. who stabbed I'll... Frodo. Yes, the one who stabbed Frodo. Exactly. Um, and and you know, Frodo is like entranced by it completely hypnotized it doesn't even like realize that he's he's so enraptured by it until like eventually sam has to wake him up it turns out he like passes out and then afterwards they they continue they continue they they get to a point where uh they need to rest this kind of touches on what we were talking about with um oh you know the the romance or the the platonic friendship of frodo and sam because uh, Gollum wanders off on his own, and Sam and Frodo rest 
together. A little cuddle sesh. Um, they they certainly do. Um, and then uh, they they are awoken by Smeagol. There's something that I'm gonna want to touch on there too with like Sam's reaction. Um, I, I have it and up there too. Dom's reaction. Yep. Um, so we'll come back to that, and then the the chapter ends. Um, they they continue on just a bit more, and Frodo's like, "Hey, I can I can actually see like the other side. Um, I think we're good, right, Smeagol?" And Smeagol's like, "No, no, we're not good. Um, there's the a little bit more. Yeah, there's a little bit more. Uh, you're still gonna need my help, but with this air, this ominous air about him." That green and, fire in his eyes, indeed. That we keep hearing about. Uh, so that's that's where our, our our chapter leaves off. What do we want to? I, I think the thing I want to talk about first, actually, just because I, I have this note at the beginning of the chapter, but just in general, kind of starting with um, <clears throat> Frodo feeling the weight of the ring again. And it urging him toward Minas Mortal. We get like this description of Frodo feels like he has this out of body experience, right? Like he has this urge to put the ring on, and it's it's described as like from this force that that is not himself. He's compelled by something else, and he he literally has this out of body experience where like he's watching himself like drawn to put on the ring and instead he clutches the uh i don't know what's it called the the file of galadriel yeah yeah um can can i just jump into a note i have here it's just forgotten so long ago um shit where is it uh shit 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 crap i can't find it um but yeah, he grabs this. He grabs this vial. Oh yeah, here it is. Um, cold and hard it seemed as, he, as his grip closed on it. The file of or feel of Galadriel, so long treasured and almost forgotten till that hour. Hasn't he only had it for like two weeks? Aren't there like two weeks out of uh, maybe three out of uh, uh, Lothlorien? I know because um, we picked up with them. It took them a week to get down the river, and then the fellowship broke, give or take a, a couple days. And it took them like four days to get to the um, the gate, the west gate, north gate. Fuck. Yeah. And then maybe another week to go meet Faramir and, and hang out with him, and then they've been on the move for another three or four days. So I've probably gotten a few of those dates wrong so people do listen to this in five years uh feel free to leave feel free to tell me some in the comments that i won't see because connor won't tell me um but uh <laughs> the yeah it's it, it can't have been more than a month and it's like so long treasured and long forgotten and it's just like it's just been hanging out on your necklace for a month dude <laughs> yeah but Okay, so I completely get your point, Josh, and I think you're right to point that out. But I think that's also the exact point, like, Tolkien's trying to make. It's one thing if you, like, oh, yeah, I had this thing and I stuffed it in a drawer and I forgot about it. Who cares? It's been a month. But mm-hmm. 
Wouldn't it be strange to be like wearing a necklace for a month? And then like a month later, Fair. you're like, oh yeah, I've had this fucking thing around my neck the whole time. It's, I think it's more about the fact that it is constantly present and yet never remarked on that, that makes it seem like, oh yeah, isn't it weird that I forgot about that? Fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, mechanically speaking, it's just a way to reintroduce it to the story. So it doesn't seem like a deus deus ex machina. Um, yeah, that is definitely true. But, um, it's, I, my, my issue is with the language of calling it so long treasured. It's just like, yeah, I, I wouldn't consider something I've had for a month to be long treasured. Treasured, perhaps, but not long treasured. Yeah. And I, I think if we're, like, focusing strictly on the language, yes, I, I completely get what you mean. It's like, okay, you know, this is essentially a souvenir that you got. Um, From a very so pretty like, lady. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I guess maybe that makes it seem more important to him. I think that's, it, it a, that's exactly too. why it's so important to him. Yeah. Literally every time anyone talks about Gladriel, they're like, damn, did you see her? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Everyone has the biggest crush on Gladriel. I know. I wonder what Tom Bombadil would think. I, <coughs> I even thought it was kind of funny, <clears throat> not to jump ahead, but only because it mentions Gladriel, but like, there's a point in the next chapter where Frodo's kind of like, oh my god, like, what if I die? And then he's like, wait a minute. What if I don't die and I succeed? Oh, wait, no, no. It's not in the next chapter. It's exactly in this chapter, exactly at the moment we're discussing. He sees the army march out, and he feels completely hopeless. And he's like, it doesn't even matter if I destroy the One Ring, because this unstoppable dark army is just going to fucking murder everyone I love. Who am I even going to tell that I destroyed the One Ring to? And then, like, we get a couple specific names, and it's like, Gandalf, Aragorn, Galadriel, and it's like, <laughs> we're still specifically name-dropping Galadriel. I mean, I'm glad that he remembers her, but I just feel like she yeah. doesn't have quite the same impact on the story is all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I also, I like the tone of voice you use there. I'm just imagining him, like, I, I'm just imagining Frodo, like, up on the cliff, watching this army go by, having an existential crisis. It's like, who could I possibly talk to if I was to finish this? And it's just like, just like a really cheap, like, 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 uh, I want to say Troy McClure, but like that, that kind of like educational video you got at school where it's just like a slot, like it just slides into frame of just like yeah. each character. And you got the narrator going, Aragorn, Gandalf, Galadriel, and then the, fat, yeah. the last one just spins just because someone, yeah. some bored editor figured it out. <coughs> just that poor editing was in my mind is what I, 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 I do get the uh, the idea in your head because it would start with like the the numbers where it goes around the the little and it's like beep beep you know Not right like the black and white oh come on that's exactly what you're describing that's exactly what you're describing Josh I mean if the scene was starting I'm, I'm talking about Frodo on the cliff just like all that drama and, and like fire and brimstone kind of atmosphere around him and then it's just like shitty 1980s educational school video, like sliding just a still image from earlier in the movie, 
like Windows Movie Maker style into frame, and then you just have right. some guy just just with your tone of voice naming each character. <laughs> okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, at any rate, you're right. Everyone who's ever seen Galadriel has a crush on her, and you know I, I shouldn't be so quick to be like, oh well, why? Because I mean, Galadriel does have a big impact on the story, and we see it even now. Um, because the gifts that she's given, you know, do do end up helping. It's just a, it's just more in that regard of like, you know, her her impact is like separated from her presence. I think is what kind of yes. feels like. Oh well, that's that 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 is sort of like the context of the era where it's like, oh yeah, no, uh, Galadriel as a woman certainly helps. It's like, oh cool, does she like fight? <laughs> Does she, like, do all the stuff that the guys do? It's like, oh, no, no. She just gives them something that's later useful. And it's like, oh, well, Galadriel herself certainly certainly is impactful, certainly certainly does have importance. But I think given the nature of, of when it was written, it, it, it does feel like um, she's also kind of, like, compartmentalized a bit. It's like, oh, yeah, no, Galadriel's important. It's like, oh... What's her like active role? It's like, oh well, there isn't one. Active that, that already happened, right? <laughs> so, so that that specifically is why I think it's funny when it's like, oh yeah, Frodo's like, I gotta tell Galadriel about this, and it's like, who? Okay. <laughs> so at any rate, um, oh oh, but this was all starting too because I was talking about Frodo f- feeling the weight of the ring again. Like, the mm-hmm. literal, the changing of the weight and the ring, like, beckoning him to Minas Morgul. Um, I actually don't have any more to say about that. That That's, that's I think, basically what I wanted to point out. But, but I like those moments because we talk about, like, the presence of the ring. And I, I like those moments when Tolkien, like, literally makes it draws attention to... Yeah, yeah it's like... <laughs> And it's not just a feeling. It's not just like, oh, it feels heavier, and it's a difficult yeah, no, burden. He, he just describes it as heavier. Yes. Yeah. It just it it, it literally has has this, uh, you know, ability to it. So so I I really like that idea of like the closer you get to its des- destruction, the closer you get to Mordor, um, like the more lethal it itself becomes. So I actually interpreted that differently. As I thought it was getting, it getting more closely closer to its goal of reuniting with Sauron is what made it get heavier and heavier, just like or and draw him towards Mordor. Um, and then this is actually my first note was we we actually see a little bit more of what the ring could do to directly influence the story. Um. Which is like the most direct action it seems to be able to take, aside from just like slightly expanding or retracting to slip off somebody's finger. Um, <clears throat> it can apparently, when when Frodo tried to turn away and to you know destroy the ring and head on head down that path, it tries to a draw his attention back to traveling into Mordor to Sauron. Um, and when Frodo does overcome that attraction, it blinds him. For like a good while. Oh yeah, that's right. So it's just like, oh, that's like probably the most direct effect the ring has had on a ring bearer. It's that's not just insidious or just like subtle. It's like, no, you're you're fucking blind now for not doing what I wanted to want to do. 
So yeah, yeah, I kind of forgot about that, but you are right to point that out. That's all. Um, what uh, what was interesting to me, um, and kind of surprising, and I forget if if it was in this chapter or the next chapter, but um, there's like a line where Frodo is honest about you know how how the ring is kind of like really wearing on him to Sam. Um, and, 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 uh, he doesn't do much of that. I think he, he does hold it kind of close to the chest. No pun intended. You know, he, he, uh, doesn't usually let on, um, its influence or, or the toll it's taken on him. Um, so I was impressed with that. And then also how, you know, a few times he, he talks about how, how he knows that even though, um, he's he's feeling the the urge to put it on how how that would be a trick you know he he uh he can still maintain that that distance um which is good obviously but part of me just thinks it's 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 underlined now because very soon that won't be the case yeah yeah we will see um and and josh you know i like that you mentioned Tolkien kind of uses this moment to reintroduce the file of Galadriel because, like, as he's reaching for the ring on his chest, he grabs that first, which is, like, what he's able to draw his attention to, so he's not overcome by that urge to wear the ring. Um, Right. So it's like, yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, it it is a bit of, like, see, you know, kind of, kind of funny that he hasn't used it for so long, but I, it was also a good way of like bringing it back into focus. Um, last thing I want to mention on this point here, and then we can go into something else. But um, when Tolkien is describing the army, I mean, one, I, I like the description of the like the Lord of the Nine Riders, the Nazgul who stabbed Frodo, like you said, Josh. Mm-hmm. Because he still has he has the robes and he just has like a crown on too. I think that's really cool imagery. Um, but more than that, when they're describing the army, um, <clears throat> we get this line. It says, um, "It says, and yet it was but one, and not the greatest of the hosts that Mordor now sent forth." So. Tolkien slips this line in there, too, where it's like our characters are witnessing, you know, this huge army being sent from Mordor. And Tolkien's like, but this is happening elsewhere and to a greater effect. So for as, you know, impossible and insurmountable as like this army looks like, um... He he takes a moment to mention like there 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 is more than just this even happening like this would be bad enough, and yet there's even more somewhere else. So, so he's, I, it's like I think I I think the uh, the effect is is gonna vary on on how it's like oh is it impactful it's like I think it's maybe a little weak to just have him throw a sentence in there where it's like oh and by the way there's an even bigger army somewhere else so it's like I don't know but but he's definitely making an effort to show that like the threat is escalating 
you know, that 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 there is more more danger about even than it seems. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that too. Um Josh, what other notes do you have that you might like to shout out here? Um I thought it was pretty cool that it sounded like the army marched when the volcano erupted. I was a little bleary eyed when I was reading this section, so I, I'm pretty sure Tolkien's describing Mount Doom erupting uh, as the army set to, to initiate the army setting forth, which is pretty kind of awesome when you think about it. It is. I, Josh, I did not. I was wondering what the fuck Tolkien was trying to describe, but now that you said <laughs> that, it makes a lot of sense because he, he like talks about like red light. Yeah. Yeah. Like <clears throat> the, the sky has been full of ash and clouds for the last few days. They have no, it's so dark. They have no idea what time of day it is anymore. So I just assumed it's some sort of volcanic eruption. That's um, a really, really good insight. And I have to tell you, I just had no, I was like, what? I thought he was just, you know how, how, when we've talked about like the, the glow in Gollum's eyes, the green light or the, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a lot of times I think that's like more poetic. You know, I don't think you're meant to think that there is literally like a green fire shining in Gollum's eyes. You could take it that way. Sure. But like as a reader, that's never been my interpretation. I don't feel like this is literally describing an actual green light in his eyes. And, and so too, when I read this passage, I didn't think like, I was like, is is this literal? You know, is this more to like emphasize like the growing darkness of Mordor and the strength of it? But um, to just be like, oh yeah, maybe it could just be a volcano erupting. It's like that makes a lot of sense. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think you are probably right. Was was there uh, that something was else? That. That was the whole point on that one. <laughs> Th- that's okay. Do you want to go to another one? I only have a couple yeah. more I want to shout out. Yeah, I know I got a few like random thoughts here and there. Um, when they're climbing up the actual stairs of the, the that the chapter title mentions, uh, they're described as these narrow, slippery stone stairs that kind of break under their feet every now and then. And when I was reading that, I just had this impression of just like really narrow, very steep stairs that like you start feeling like yourself leaning back, but you're also like hundreds of feet in the air. And that's like, oh, like, all right, new fear unlocked. Thanks, Tolkien. (laughs) I say I I, I wrote new with like a question mark because it was making me think of these narrow stairs that used to be at my aunt's house like 25 years ago. Uh, when I was growing up and I, I was always like really cautious around them because they were just so narrow to get up into the attic. Um, but whenever I think of narrow stairs, it, it, it's like a little bit of that. And also just like that dream sense of like falling backwards while you're trying to climb up new fear. <laughs> yeah. As like a sensory detail, it's a cool thing to shout out though. Um, um I think on the next page, we might be getting a look at the Eye of Sauron that's shown in the movie, um, which I know doesn't technically exist in the books, but it's like um, he's describing this mountain with like horns and um, 
Where's the actual line? They saw only the flame of some great violence of Sauron and the torment of Gorgoroth beyond. Uh, uh, the very crown of the bitter road against the sullen redness of the eastern sky, a cleft was outlined in the topmost ridge, narrow, deep cloven between two black shoulders, and on either shoulder was a horn of stone. So I don't know. It's just He's describing the scenery, and it's just like, is that the Eye of Sauron or the tower that the Eye of Sauron sits in during the movies? I just, I don't know. Maybe think of it, though. <clears throat> yeah, I can see what you mean, especially with the the horn description, because in the movies, yeah. there's those big dramatic horns that like the eye kind of rests I'll, between. I'll be honest, I got maybe like five hours, four hours of sleep before reading this, because I was watching a, a live stream all weekend, and uh, <laughs> uh, still had it going when I, I sat down to read, so it's a little distracted during this chapter. So surprised I got as many notes as I did. Yeah. I see. Um, I only have two more. We had some very meta commentary from Sam and Frodo before they uh, snuggle up to sleep. And uh, they're just talking about how they're they're in their own story. Right. And they um, oh, let's have the one about Mr. Frodo, Grandpa, and and uh, Frodo's just like, oh, don't forget about uh, uh, the story with Sam in it because you're selling yourself short, Sam. You're in the story too. And I'm talking about how all these all these things have granted, like, are connected to all these grand adventures, and they they just got caught up in the middle of one of the stories, and now they're at the. They don't know if they're going to be in a good story or a bad one, but they're going to see it through to the end. Yeah, it's um, a very cute moment. I really enjoyed that moment. Definitely. I I had a note on that, so I want to talk about it just a little bit more, too. Um, there's, there's this line <clears throat> kind of towards, I don't know, maybe, maybe the middle of that discussion where um, Sam says, um, yeah, he's talking about the end of, like, a story. He says, you know, coming home and finding things are all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of a tale we've fallen into. I wonder, said Frodo, but I don't know. And that's the way of a real tale. Um, so, yes, Josh, very, very meta. And I thought it was even interesting, like, you know, Sam is like, you know, Bilbo went on this grand adventure and has kind of made this story of it. And, and you know, in retrospect, like, it's all, it's all like Bilbo ever fucking talks about. So it gets, like, very romanticized. He's very nostalgic for it. Sam's like, sounds like a good tale to be a part of, right? And then Frodo's like, yeah, um, I wonder what kind of a story we're in. Um, and then even, even in the, the very end of their discussion, um, I forget if it's Frodo or Sam who says this, I just have a note of it written down. The line was, we're in the same tale still, don't the great tales ever end? Because they're talking about how, 
like the journey that they're on is connected to like these ancient myths that they yeah. like grew up telling each other you know it's like because the the one ring is so legendary and Sauron's power is is so notorious throughout history that like for them to play any part in that story even towards the very end of it is like remarkable it's like that that story that we tell each other around the campfire or whatever like there actually isn't an ending because like we are in the process of trying to end it and they're kind of reflecting on like well even if we're successful like is the story over does it ever end um those are really interesting questions to be asking like not only for the characters one to the other but like just in terms of like what it means to tell a story what it means to make a narrative you know what what does the ending like even really signify i think that's kind of a trap that a lot of people who are responsible for telling stories these days fall into because i think it, it it's easy to overlook the power of an ending and be like oh well you know the story doesn't ever have to end right like we could always just tell the next one <laughs> green light the sequel without any regard for how that dilutes or or you know undercuts maybe like the overall narrative i think there's a discussion to be had on like either side of that but i, I don't think the conversation that frodo and sam are having is to say like no story ever ends or like or that endings themselves are like meaningless, but more so, more so that like you know these stories and 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 their lives are wrapped up in kind of like this endless chain of consequences, which is a very Dune-like idea. Yeah. Yeah, I um, it makes it it makes it feel a lot more epic, like um the odyssey or something like that like a big mythic mythical tale um which is which is cool and and it does it kind of makes you want to read the silmarillion a little bit uh, <laughs> we got a only, lot of only a little bit talk. <laughs> yeah. only a little bit yeah we did get we, some of that talk we in these did chapters. yeah uh but my favorite thing i think sam says during that section is is like I forget what 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 exact tale he's referencing, but he's like these guys were in a way worse position than we are now. Like 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 the odds were like way way more against them than like you know we think we got it bad. We think we're doomed, but like they 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 made it out. Um, and that was like optimistic and stuff. I was like, wow, it's cool. Like you know that that kind of shines a light like. You know, they, they, they don't know what it, they're going to face. There could be, there could still yet be a way out. <laughs> and like, th- that that is nice and illuminating. But then he's like, he's like yeah, and then they kind of like fell into even more misery after that. <laughs> like, like, then it, like, like, you know, they, they get out of that one, but then it actually got even worse. But um, still, I thought that was a, that, that was a nice sentiment. Yeah. And I like the idea too that, um, there's a couple like weird layers of this because like part of Sam's point in that moment too <clears throat> is that like when you're telling a story and you know the ending, no matter how dangerous things seem, like you you're kind of in control of like creating that um, conclusion, like the happy ending, you know. But if you're living through the story, if the story is about events that truly happen to someone, 
then in that moment where those characters had it way worse off, they didn't know what the ending was going to be. And they even they, they, they even kind of expand on that, and they're like, think of all the stories we don't know about, the stories that don't get told, because mm-hmm. those characters, quote-unquote, just fucking die. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where that idea, like, where where Frodo's saying, like, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen, in, fallen into. In the moment, they have no way of knowing if they're going towards a happy ending or just, like, you know, nothingness. No one will ever know they ever fucking existed. And, like, the... the mixed emotions that come with that. And and as they sort of face that horrible despair within Mordor, that you know, this, this all-encompassing... Um, grief in which, like, the very land feels as if it's, like, built on a foundation of sorrow. Um, It is a really beautiful and touching moment when Frodo and Sam are, like, uh, they're, they're, like, projecting. They're thinking into the future and thinking, like, well, they're imagining this outcome where they're successful and these amazing stories are, are told, you know, about yeah. them. And, yeah. And so, you know, Sam, Sam is doing it like to try and cheer up Frodo, like, like Sam always does. And then Frodo does the same for Sam. Sam's like, you know, quit it. You know, I was being serious and Frodo's like, I was too, you know, yeah. you're a hero in this story, Sam. And it, it is, it is a, a really touching moment that they, that they share there. Yeah, very much so. And, and then, um, you know, Frodo laughs, I think Frodo, it, it, you know, Frodo laughs, uh, about it all. And then there's like a line, it's like, like, uh, the, the creatures of Mordor of, or like of this land haven't heard laughter in, in like, in a long time. So like everything like reacted to it, you know, it's like, you could tell that yeah. like, like the air changed cause there has not been laughter and in this part these parts in in a long long time yeah yeah they they are they continue to be um defiant against all odds um and that you know i think sometimes a story like that can be told and it it feels um very surface level it's like wow like you're not gonna i I think I think what Tolkien really succeeds in is showing like how low Frodo and Sam are brought like th- nothing about what they share is blind optimism. It's it's not that they are unaware of the the potential consequences. It's not that they don't know the danger. It's that like the only way for them to even possibly endure it and get through it is to like pretend to be happy is to like create their own joy yeah. in the face of almost certain death. And I think that's what makes it feel so compelling. It's it's not that like, oh, you know, they're just like bringing sunshine to Mordor or whatever. It's like they're 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 so aware and have acknowledged to such an extent the horrible nature of their task and where they are that like they will literally just shrivel up and die exactly where they are if they don't if they don't do this you know it, it's the only way they they can continue and i think there's a lot of value in that yeah you know absolutely yeah 
So what kind of story do you think we we are in? Uh, dystopian. Kind of, yeah. I think I, I don't. I don't, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have faith in a happy ending. <laughs> I think we're in a, a rom com. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Um, I guess that's the weird thing too. Yeah, you know, there, there's that line in in uh, Fellowship where it's like. Frodo says, I, I, I famously, you know, I wish I never lived to see such times. And Gandalf's like, you know, so does everyone who lived to see such times and blah, blah, blah. Really famous yeah. line. But depending on where you're born or enter into a story, your perspective on it is going to be very different. Even though kind of like on what we're talking about, if, if we're talking about something that is interconnected and, and all continuing, then certain parts of the story will be a rom-com and certain parts will be a dystopia. Yeah, and mm-hmm. certain parts will be a sex trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can only uh, just hope hope to be a part of that. You know? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> um, I just have a, a few things to wrap up this chapter with. Um, this, this might seem like a weird line, but I, I just, I, I just am compelled to shout it out. Okay. And we've talked about it with some of the other characters and I was like, what? But when, um, when Gollum finds Frodo and Sam asleep together, we get this line. Upon his... Referring to Frodo, upon his white forehead lay one of Sam's brown hands. Okay, I I wasn't sure if if anyone was going to bring this up. Um, oh, but I completely missed it. I no, I I clocked it too. But the weird thing is, um, and this is one of the things that I screenshot that I I sent to you guys in the group chat and it didn't go through and I just decided I, 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 there's tons of things this week that I just dropped because it wasn't going through, um, but, th- but there's there's this fucking account on Twitter that likes to go around and say Lord of the Rings is is right wing you know, um, and they're very annoying and so I I I, I was screenshotting a, a tweet they made and. Um, I was reading all the responses to it. Most people are like pushing back and, uh, you know, but, um, Good. yeah. And w- somebody tweeted, uh, that Sam is canonically dark skins. And I was like, I was like, what did I, you know, did I miss something? Um, and so I was like, oh, that's curious. Uh, and then you know funny enough this very week we get to the the part where where i'm assuming this is what they're referencing if it's nothing more yeah um so yeah i i uh i don't know what like what are your thoughts on that i'm not sure if he's if if his skin color has ever been described before this point I I don't really think so, which is also why it stood out to me so strongly, and especially because when we were talking about, you know, the men from the South that had allied themselves with uh, Sauron, we 
we we pretty much determine that their skin color is also uh, darker, you know, brown, black. Um, and so we're like, okay, you know, we we already had that discussion. We don't need to go any more into that. But but essentially, I'm bringing it up because it it establishes that um, when Tolkien is describing skin color, he's talking literally. He's not saying, you know, they're dark in the sense of, like, their souls. You know, it's not that they have a blackness to their hearts. He's saying that their skin is dark. And so very clearly with Sam here, he says that his hand is brown. And I'm, like, thinking about it. I'm like, could it be that for some reason Sam is, like, I don't know, so, you know, dirty from the journey, so, covered no, in soot, so, covered in dirt. But it's like, so, so when you, you, you reading that? But Josh, Josh, sorry, let me finish. hold on. But okay. why would you, if that were the case, why would you describe Frodo as white and Sam as brown? That's what I'm saying. So when you were reading that, I completely missed this when I was reading. And it took me a second when you read it back for me to register what we were talking about. Because my initial thought was, yeah, Sam's a gardener, so of course he's going to have dirt on his hands. <laughs> so I just figured it was because he was a gardener for half a second. And then I realized, like, oh, we're talking about the color of his skin. And now that makes all that talk of him referring to Frodo as master and stuff like that just a lot more awkward than it was when we were first Because <laughs> <laughs> I've had movie Sam in my head this entire time. Yeah. Uh, you know... I did not like retroactively reconsider that, but that's a really good thing to bring up, Josh, because <laughs> um, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, I guess it's like I, I, I just I do take it as as literal. For whatever else, for whatever implications you know there are or any more discussion we want to have on it, I, I take it to be literal. If Tolkien is saying that Sam's hand and skin is brown, then I think that's it. Because if he's describing Frodo's skin as white, you know, it's not like, oh, well, is it because he's in a certain light? or this? It's like, no, it's because he's white. So if Frodo is described <laughs> as white because he's white, then... It would just follow that Sam is described brown because he's brown. So I, I think it's exactly that. I guess you could you could maybe be like, well, what does Tolkien mean by brown? Could it be that he is just like heavily tanned? I don't know. Maybe you know Tolkien's and you know an English guy, so. Um, he, he might be trying to describe different variations of whiteness and, and does so in a way that just like does not translate through the text. But given the way that we understand this word, given the way that we take someone's skin being described as brown, I, I would I would not take it to mean that Sam is white, that his that his skin is darker. So. All right. So yeah, no, I, I think there's that, and I, I, I also, I, I do, I, I mean, I, I don't have a lot more to say on it, Josh, but I think given all of that, it definitely is worth being like, oh hey, but Sam is is also in this, um, you know, subordinate position, and and 
Frodo has like basically sort of owned him in a way, in a way, in a very literal way for like a long time. And it's like, oh, so we're also going to introduce the fact that Frodo is white and Sam is brown. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just they're just are. Um, Well, I mean, there's all of history to to look back on and, and consider why, like, bringing that into your text um, also invites a lot of scrutiny and skepticism along with it. So, mm-hmm. I don't have any more to add onto that right now, but um, it's certainly worth mentioning, so... Yeah. Connor, where do you land on all that? You kind of asked what Josh and I think, and I, I think we kind of gave our thoughts. Do you, um, do you take it as, as literally as we're saying? What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it is just, um, I, I think that is because it's a skin color. I think that's, that seems to be the intention to me. And, um, yeah, I, I I don't think it's it's meant to be anything deeper than that or or uh, simpler than Just that either. Deep. I think it's yeah. I mean, but it is a strange thing to just throw in there. I guess uh, in the in the eleventh hour. Yeah, it's part of like it's it's odd how little description there is at all like a character will get some kind of description sometimes when they're first introduced but like oftentimes after that it's like good luck trying to ever picture what the fuck Legolas looks like because Tolkien's not going to tell you yep whereas I I think I think providing details or using details to like create a sense of imagery for the reader like that's a very popular way of writing now like you you know you would much more readily incorporate details of what a person looks like or oh how their hair is shining in the sun or the the gleam of their eyes or you know this you kind of you kind of give details to tell more about like the character and and what's happening around them whereas like at at this point in terms of like you know popular writing in the 50s like it just does not feel like that matters it is not a priority who gives a shit, you know? The, the, the Tolkien just does not care yeah. at all. <clears throat> and then, um, kind of wrapping up this whole, like, Frodo and Sam, they were sleeping together or, or resting together. When Gollum comes back and approaches them, yep. we we get this passage where um it says like if frodo and sam had seen him in like this flash of a moment he would have looked like an old hobbit and um and when when sam is is first uh woken up he's like really upset because he didn't want to fall asleep at all so he's like he's yep. upset in himself he's immediately mad at gollum and and so two very interesting things happen here. One, <clears throat> one, Gollum is humanized or, or hobbitized and, you know, is given this moment of, like, sympathy, I think, even though it's, like, a me- it's very minor. And then also, or, or I guess, like, in, in connection to that, 
Sam apologizes to Gollum. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's how you know Sam fucked up. If he feels the need to apologize to Gollum. Yeah. Why would he even care? And yet, it seems like their time together... Yeah, right. Um... My note for this whole section is basically just way to make us feel bad for how Sam treats Gollum. Finally, it's like yeah. up to this point, like it's it's kind of felt deserved because Gollum's just been basically an antagonist since The Hobbit, um, where he he's threatening to kill and eat Bilbo, and then he's trying to steal the precious away, the, the ring away, um, and he you feel like he's this entire journey, you feel like he's not trustworthy and here we have this this one moment where tolkien looks at the story from looks at the scene from Gollum's perspective um <laughs> yeah sage is here i could hear the i could hear the footsteps <laughs> and uh and yeah the uh it's just like oh he it it like you said, humanizes him for just a moment. And then Sam wakes up and he immediately berates him because he thinks he's up to no good. And Gollum just obliges that opinion and that uh, doesn't seem to argue it. Yeah. It is interesting timing. Yeah, Gollum, the next Gollum even... <clears throat> Not only... You're right, Connor. And not only does Gollum accept it, Good point. he he, he I, I actually laughed out loud at this moment where I didn't realize Frodo was asleep. Frodo wakes up and, you know, Gollum, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a sneak. And Frodo's like, don't say such bad things about yourself. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I actually, I laughed. I laughed when, when Smeagol was saying he's a sneak, referring to himself. Um, I just felt like it was really, really clever, and it's just such a such a snide remark. It know? it kind of reminds me of how he was acting almost like a child in when he was with the men in, in the last chapter, where he was like, "Oh, don't want fish," or like, yes. "What did I do? I I was just getting fish or something like that." And it's just now it's just someone insulted him, so now he's just going to lead into it for sympathy points. Yeah, but, you know, what I'm wondering is do you think that that moment where where Tolkien describes Gollum in a flash of an instant as like an old hobbit coming, you know, across uh, Frodo and Sam, like do you think that's genuine? And then do you think that do you think that Gollum's reaction to how Sam treats him is for sympathy points? Or or do you think that it's... Legi- I, I mean, like, do, do you I think, think it was, I think like it was legitimate. I, I think he was legitimately wounded by that because he was... We see him in a moment of... Uh, of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, vulnerability and, for lack of a better term, humanity... Yeah. Um Vulganity. Um good one. But uh 
though. Where was I going with this? This is the downside of me being super tired. My brain just stopped working all of a sudden. Also, you've been <laughs> on the internet this entire time, Josh. No, I am coloring right now to stay focused. <laughs> Call it what you want. <laughs> I am 100% focused. Instead of looking at you, I'm looking at my drawing. That's it. Okay. Um, the... Oh, where was now? You now you've really derailed me. Um, you, you were you were talking about like <laughs> this this genuine moment of humanity for Gollum, right? So he and then Sam immediately reminds him that they see him as this creature that can't be trusted, and that, that genuinely would hurt anybody, uh, let yes. alone someone who is as vulnerable as and broken as Smeagol slash Gollum. So. Um. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, Josh, you were talking about, like, the timing, too. This was such a great chapter and such a fantastic moment to end the chapter on before we get into the next one. Because, like, yes, we know that Gollum has been planning this uh, Shelob's Lair event for a long time now. So. That's how I say it. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, but, but I feel like the end of this chapter there, you, you, you could be convinced that if Sam just woke up and did not insult Gollum, it's like, what if he really could have been rehabilitated? You know, I think, I think there's this like question and that's, it's part of why I love this dynamic between Frodo, Sam and Gollum, because the way that Frodo and Sam treat Gollum really does seem to have an effect on Gollum's mood. And and more than that, like, whenever we refer to Gollum, you could choose to refer to him in one of two ways. Gollum or Smeagol, right? Slinker mm-hmm. or Stinker. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so I think we see that, like, depending on the character who's referring to him, you really do get more of one or the other. And the, the reader is always questioning, like, what is genuine you know is it is it really a game of two halves and it's 50 50 you know it or or is it all a is it all a ruse you know it's like those those questions are left up to interpretation but but i think certainly we see that smeagol is more prominent when frodo is addressing him and Gollum is more prominent when sam is addressing him That's a good and point. so it it there's almost this sense of like tragedy leaning up into this next chapter we're going to discuss i feel because because I, I think it raises the question to the reader that if Smeagol slash Gollum were treated differently, could it have been possible to avoid what comes next? It's a good question. I uh, I guess we could, we'll talk about it uh, after we take after a break. A quick, yeah, after a sure. tight five? Sure. Let's do it. Let's hit it, boys. Yeah, I got to pee. Oh, I never stopped recording. Okay, so we are jumping back into Chapter 9, Shelob's Lair. Um, Gollum continues to lead uh, Frodo and Sam to this tunnel that they have talked about. Or rather, that, that Gollum has mentioned. And uh, it is a pitch black, dark, ominous foreboding with a foul oppressive stench of death and decay and uh 
Gollum's like, yep, here we are. <laughs> this is what you have to go through. Home sweet so, home. it doesn't seem that great, even from the outset. Uh, but then, as they go through it, um, eventually they reach a point where Shelob herself, uh, essentially a uh, giant evil spider, emerges and, uh, you know, obviously wants to eat them. Frodo has the file of Galadriel and, and uh, you know, illuminates it to to ward off Shelob in that moment. And so as they, they're like, oh, God, we got to get the fuck out of here. And they, they continue through, and the latter part of the cave is uh, covered in this web. Sam can't do anything about it, but Frodo's uh, sword, Sting, is able to slice through it. And Frodo is, like, so excited. He's like, oh, my God. Like, it's just fresh like, air. It's just like Bilbo's story when he defeated the spiders with Sting. Right. Sorry. So... Frodo just uh, cuts through the webs and runs, just just bolts headlong out of there. And uh, Sam is a little far back. Um, and Sam, importantly, is holding on to the file of Galadriel now. Uh, Frodo gives it to him when he uses Sting to destroy the webs. Oh, that's when it happened. Okay, I missed that detail. It's like, wait, why is the file being held by Sam now? Yeah, that's he, I, he gives it to him when he's when he's cutting. Got it. Which, I mean, you would think it's like maybe you could put it around his neck again, but I mean, who cares? Right, well, no, no, because he actually does tell Sam to hold it to ward off Shelob. You wouldn't want to have it not illuminated. Gotcha. So so it makes sense. Don't know how I missed that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, then uh, Shelob, sure enough, does reemerge and um, goes straight for Frodo, who is kind of like, you know, from Sam's perspective, Frodo seems very unaware that, like, a massive demonic spider is just barreling towards him. <laughs> and so uh, Sam is about to warn Frodo, but before he really can, Gollum leaps onto his back and attacks him. And then we get this this battle with, uh, with Gollum and Sam... And Sam ultimately is able to get Gollum off his back and then um, chases him with his sword, but, but Gollum's too fast and, you know, he slinks, he slinks away. away. Precisely, he slinks away, Josh, <laughs> into the darkness. And um, Sam even chases him for a bit and then he's like, oh, right, Frodo is going to get killed by a giant spider. <laughs> and then he turns around and runs after Frodo and um, that's where our chapter ends, where it's like, what what happens next? You know, what, what is the conclusion of that? We don't know yet. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, Connor, you, you look like maybe you, you had some thoughts to share, or did, did well, you want to uh, jump in on, on what you think about this chapter or what happened in it? The tables have finally turned, haven't they? Indeed, they have. Gollum has finally uh, lived up to to Sam's uh, idea of of him. Um, he was indeed sneaking about, praying to his his uh, his 
or bowing to his queen spider in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, shit's shit's fucked. Um, shit's fucked you. Yeah, for real. I, you know, I, 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 I don't know how they're gonna get out of this one. Um, I hope hope Sting comes to the rescue once again, but um, but I'm not sure. Right. My only <clears throat> my my question, kind of going off of where we left off just before our break there, Connie, you're saying like Gollum finally lives up to. Um, you know what what Sam thought of him. You know he 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 he's stinker the whole time, right? And I'm just like still kind of on this question of uh, like we we know that Gollum is not innocent, you know. But is he's it no a bit angel. of a self fulfilling? Is it a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy? Does does Gollum? become stinker because of what a Sam uh, because of, of, of what Sam assumes of him or or is it simply that Sam knew better the whole time and, and Gollum uh, just truly was was only evil I I don't know I don't know if it is that cut and dry you know I think I think slinker and stinker are, are two very defined personalities um, and I think yeah. he is still at war with himself in in some way you know we we even but, see him but today stinker one yeah, yeah, stinker one in this case, um, but I, 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 uh, I think this was also premeditated, and and it does seem like uh, th- this was in the back of Gollum's mind the entire time that he could do this, um, and sure. he he even has we... a plan. He's gonna wait until you know the the queen queen bitch shits out all the remains and he's going to sift sift through the shit for his <laughs> for his precious ring. Um yeah. So so we, he has we, it all planned out. We we did bring up like a few chapters ago, it's been four or five podcasts now of um Gollum mentioned like, "Oh, she'll be able to take care of them." And we're like, hmm, "I wonder who she is in this case." Uh, um right. yeah. so now we know. And yeah. for the record, I I knew it was going to be the spider. This was the one scene in uh, the two towers that I can remember in the the end of the two towers that I could remember. And sure enough, my my first note in this chapter is pretty sure I know which scene from the movie this chapter is about. And uh, let's see. Uh, my last note is this is what I was expecting, but the whole scene is not done. So think we have more of the giant spider ahead of us at least yeah. what i remember from the movie that i watched 10 years ago <laughs> so yes. sorry to interrupt but i did want to bring up the we were anticipating some sort of betrayal with Gollum. oh yeah and uh the shoe was dropped yeah it was just a matter of of when and how and um i mean and who it's possible, Connor, that, you know, to your point, like, if Sam did lay off him a little bit, at, you know, just throughout the journey, if, if Sam was a little bit kinder, a little bit less skeptical, a little less, uh, you know, less of a, of a douchebag, um, 
may, maybe Slinker would have won. Maybe Slinker would have won out. Uh, <laughs> who's to say? But yeah, in this, in reality, you know, in this case, Stinker, Stinker won the day. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it's, I, you know, I, I feel like it's such a satisfying payoff. You know, Josh, like you were saying, Gollum references that that she, you know, she will take care of them. Um, and that's not like the file of Galadriel where Tolkien's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is going to happen immediately afterwards. It's, you know, this, this <laughs> was something that was like really um, set up chapters ago which for us you know might be somewhere between like 80 and 100 pages um so it feels it feels you know significant when when it finally happens and and not only that there's that constant question of um is Gollum going to betray Frodo and Sam and and if so what's that going to look like and yeah, he, he really plays the long game. You know, they're they're like just in sight of their goal. The previous chapter ends with with Frodo being like, "Hey, I think we're like pretty much there. You know, you can you can go, right? We're all good." And uh, Gollum's like, "No, no. You know, I I still need and, and and like you just know, like it's like you feel your your heart drop because like you yeah. just know that uh, it is not going anywhere good." Um, <laughs> well, they are going to Mordor. Yes, yeah, of course. But um, yeah, even even barring that, so I just felt like this was a really satisfying chapter for like all the buildup because you know it's it's not always easy to create something that that feels like it fits the the setup necessarily, and with with this second half of the two towers. Tolkien has been, you know, laying a lot of breadcrumbs. There's there's been this this simmering tension throughout it from the very beginning um, about what's going to happen, <clears throat> and so I really feel like this event here with Shelob is climactic and and well earned, and w- was like a very um, exciting chapter to read i don't always feel glued to the page when i'm reading tolkien sometimes it's like my eyes glaze over but but reading through this chapter especially when shelob finally emerges i i felt hooked you know truly hooked um entangled so in tolkien's really web and yeah indeed <laughs> i didn't like it was a spider <laughs> But that's my uh, arachnophobic ass. Why, why is that, Josh? Because I'm arachnophobic and I don't like spiders. I mean, I can read this just fine. It's just like, yep, this is the spider part. Yippee. Oh, not that you wish it was... Not that you think it's like poor writing. Like you personally no, yeah. literally do not like it's a spider. I do not like the spider. Yes, correct. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I will curse out any spider that <laughs> makes its way into my house before I kill it. Usually because no it startles me. Pretty much, like fuck you, spider. Yeah. Um, you know what I thought was kind of interesting about the uh, the spider. It's like a demonic and spider too. It is. It is. 
And I think, I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think Tolkien uh, describes Shelob as the mother of the spiders from Mirkwood. Yeah, that was a neat detail. We got a lot of lore about Shelob, I guess, because this is like the chapter they show up and presumably they're not going to last many chapters as part of the story. So it was interesting that he just kind of goes off on a page tangent of like, yeah, they're the mother of every evil spider in Middle Earth, especially the ones at Mirkwood you've read about previously in The Hobbit. Yes. Uh, available in stores now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, she. If, I, I think I just wrote the note of like uh, deep lore for the a big spider. Way to go, Tolkien. Typical Tolkien. <clears throat> right. Yeah, you're you're not meant to just interpret Shelob as just a giant spider. You know, Shelob is like this, you know, Demon. elder god, like a malevolent deity. Yeah, who even Sauron is just like, no, oh, you're not bothering me. You can you can live in my kingdom of evil. Yeah, I love how how it's a mutually beneficial situation for Sauron. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that that was a funny line where it's like even. Like Sauron will intentionally just send orcs there to get eaten, just to, yeah. just to sustain Sheila because uh, she's 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 such a good um, barrier for anyone trying to get into Mordor. Like it's like who's mm -hmm. gonna get past Sheila? Might as well keep her alive. Yep. You would think all the other orcs at Lugberts, it's like, oh man, you got Shelob duty. Like, have they caught on that they're all, like, no one comes back from that? I imagine it'd be like some sort of like, uh, we should go check on what, uh, make sh like, another band of orcs has disappeared over in these mountains. We should go check on that. Um, Sorry, I'll be like, nah, it's not important. Actually, you know what? It's Tuesday. Yeah, go send a. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe so. Yeah, I liked I liked all the stuff about Shelob for sure. Um, interesting. You know, Tolkien has plenty of characters that are that are long lived, like throughout the ages. Uh, Shelob is one of them. Yep. And um, was a cool detail to note that they have been in Mordor since before Sauron. Um, that was an interesting detail, given what I know <laughs> from outside sources. So. Yeah, well, and not only that, like, Tolkien continues to write, like, it sounds like the giant spiders themselves came from, like, you know, that fabled land of the elves in the, across the sea, you know? That's a, that's a huge thing. Across the sea, that's where the men of Numenor came, and the, it's like, that's a big deal. But so, too, oh, yeah. did Shelob come from there. Um, and he's like, no one knows how. There's no stories that about that, but it that happened. It is now under the sea, it says in the beginning of that paragraph. So reminds me of Atlantis a little bit. Just that kind of story yeah, element. It, it may be you know, we don't we don't get so much in the main text of Lord of the Rings at, to this point, but yeah, it may be going off of that idea, you know, it's like the this this super advanced or kind of like utopian society that that has fallen and you know middle earth kind of just in these ages kind of takes place in the the remnants of that 
I'm sorry, you said that it's fallen. My my brain just went to and can't get up. <laughs> All senior citizens should have life alert. <laughs> That's our sponsor for today's episode. Is that why we got flagged? Do you think like sh- like when we say shit like that? Um, I don't think so. I think that would be pretty silly. <laughs> but but since since I think you're the only one that listens to the episodes reliably every week, you should just listen to the episode and tell me what you think it was. I mean, I am going to listen to it, but I don't I don't know. Or anyone else know, listening, dude. um, the episode Leave that came out two two <laughs> weeks before this one comes out, I think. Uh, listen to it and let me know what um. If there's anything that that seems like it could get us copyright, copyright, no, copyright no striked, no one's gonna do that. Just, it's, just it's on the options. sad. Leave it's a comment. Sad that you're even saying it. No one's gonna do that. We'll get excited in ten years when somebody actually leaves a comment for us. Yeah, take your time. Take your time. You know, if, if it takes ten years, it's fine. Just whenever you get around to it. Thanks. <laughs> well, I just actually get like a following in like three or four years, and then they All go and listen to that episode. That in so, 10 years. So, so many just... more questions than we realized we ever asked. I know. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> um, Josh, did you have any notes you want to jump to here? Uh, let's see. Deep lore about the spider. Covered that. Um, Frodo is still lost at the end of this chapter. Um, yes. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And what lost means in this context. And yeah, yeah, I didn't have a lot of notes for this chapter. The, the only other sticky note I have here is uh, do, do, do. I'm trying to figure out exactly what moment this is. One second. I think it's when they run into the web for the first time before they cut it. Yeah. Sam exclaims, it's a trap. So my note here is Admiral Akbar would be proud. <laughs> uh, then we immediately get a Tom Bombadil mention where he says I wish old Tom was near us now what yes. he thought yeah and then yeah. Uh, the only real thing I had a question or slash note about is uh, Josh let's see Josh look at the screen can you see can you see that at all oh uh, I can't read it Oh well, it was just funny because my, I, I have a, I have this have back, it's a trap. back as well. I have I have it's a trap, and then I wish old Tom was near us now. Sam thinks to himself. So it's literally we're like right a, on the money with that. It's literally two lines apart. So I'm not surprised we have those notes together. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just funny. Um, but then it sounds like Galadriel, the Lady Galadriel standing on the grass of Lorien. The gifts were in her hand, and you, Ringbearer, he heard her say. Remote but clear. For you, I've prepared this. For some reason, I was interpreting this as like... Um, oh yeah, because of the, 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 the line before that. Far off, as in a little picture drawn by Elven Fingers. He saw the Lady Galadriel standing. It made me think, like, is the, the file just like projecting a hologram of Galadriel in this moment? It's just... I w- like I said earlier, I was rather sleep deprived when I read this which seems to be a running theme as I read. Um, Pretty much every week you say that. Well, okay, so when I normally read, I'm 
laying down. I think we've covered this before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and so occasionally I'll doze off while I read. But no, this time I was literally like sleep deprived and just for some reason decided after I took a shower that morning, just be like, you know what? I'm going to read before I eat breakfast. And I was still just like, this was a mistake. And I was sitting in my chair. I wasn't like lying down or anything. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anyways, I, I like the idea of the file making the projection because I, I was thinking I was, more... I wasn't even sure if it was a projection or if it was just like him having a mental flashback to that moment. That's, him being Sam. that's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I, when I read that, I was like, oh, this is Tolkien describing like having like a, a, a vivid imagery, you know, but, but the also camera cuts maybe, back like, to her around a mirror or something. Yeah. But, but maybe it's magically induced somehow. Like I could kind of see, you know, sort of like a Ben Kenobi force ghost moment, you know, yeah. Sorry, you said um, you hung up on magically, and my brain just went delicious. Indeed, <laughs> this is Loopy Josh for you. Here yep. you go. Random, random mental goes. connections. Yeah, we're we're pop, we're reading a uh, pop culture the, and commercials, like the the most uh, famous modern day fantasy story where where magic is a strong component of it. And when I say it, Josh is thinking of Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms, which I don't even <laughs> like that much. Uh, I mean, they are magically delicious. They, like, they really are. They're like bad mm. Cheerios mixed with styrofoam. Yeah, but it's good. It was good. <laughs> then again, I'm weird. Magically good. <laughs> Then again, I, I eat my cereal dry, so it probably was a little better. Oh with milk. my god, Josh, you shouldn't have said that. <sighs> the fuck are you talking about? You you don't ever Josh what? I don't like sog I don't like soggy cereals, so I just don't even bother with milk. Oh Josh, I don't Josh, even... you just you just have to you just have to eat your cereal at a at a pace that like is faster than someone in a nursing home. Your cereal here's won't get soggy if you eat it. Here's the thing. I'm also a slow eater for other oh, reasons. Oh, God. And he does live in a nursing home. No, I just live in a home. <clears throat> well, that's what people at a nursing home call it. A <laughs> home. They live in a home. That is true. Yeah, I know. That is true. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the deranged Josh my strange of the eating. week. My strange eating habits aside... Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's that shit yeah. that makes me think. Like, it, like I don't know that that this maybe is the person that that maybe has never listened to Taxman. You know what I mean? Like, it's like <laughs> something like, something like that, that makes me think maybe I was just wrong. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he has never listened to Taxman. Right, you've well, met you the are one wrong. Singular I, person on planet yeah. Earth. You know, it's just I don't know, man. This is the life they lead. So that that. New Beatles song or whatever came out last week. Did you probably saw that stuff? I didn't actually listen yes. to it, but of course you didn't um, listen to it. I had, I've had so much other shit going on the past two weeks. It's very good, Josh. But you should listen to it. I might. Anyway, my point is, I did see someone post, an, I think it was like Variety or something like that, posted an every Beatles song ever ranked like ranked all at once uh -huh. the new song ranked very low it was like third one from the bottom of the list 
And it was yeah. like, bottom, like lowest score at the top, just scrolling down. Taxman was l- not even in the top 100. Wow. Well, so the only reason I clicked on that was to figure out where they ranked Taxman. So thank <laughs> you for that. What was this from? Was it Reddit or something? No, I I was actually on Google News because uh, I I usually check the headlines there every other day or so. Uh, you know, keep try to make sure I'm not getting pigeonholed, uh, source wise, and uh, it, that just popped up one day. It's just like every Beatles song ranked in some sort of listicle. I was like, all right, let's see where they rank Taxman, so I could. Uh, Yet again, prove that it's not as popular as it you think it is. No, it doesn't prove anything, Josh. <laughs> it just doesn't prove anything. I mean, okay. Uh, uh, a, a ranked list from 2023. Doesn't I mean, who, any... who, are, who are the people who it's were just another. It's just another opinion. List, you know? I don't know. I, it was just another opinion out there, but it was one of the lists that actually mentioned tax plan in the first place. So... The thing is, is that I could see like 100 Beatles songs being better than Taxman. Totally, but it, it doesn't. It was mean like that, it was uh, like 100. And, it, it was not, like 130. Does not diminish. Does not. It does not diminish the greatness and the impact of Taxman itself. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's just a different thing. I'm gonna look this up now. <laughs> oh no. Because they they had um, like a small does, review. We on don't it. have to. We don't have to do that. Does, we don't have to does that does that before. mean we don't have more notes on this chapter? I do not have any more notes in this chapter. That was my last one. Connor, what do you think might happen next? Given that uh, <clears throat> this 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 is one of the few Tolkien chapters that kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, oh, here it is. I don't know. I think you know we could get. Frodo slaying the spider. We could get uh, Sam coming to save the day somehow. We could get we could get Gollum having a change of heart. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how how likely that is. Um, but I do think that is within the realm of possibility. Um, so yeah, it could go a few ways or they could just die. And then the, the next book is just like the, the other half of the company. They're just like, man, I wonder how Frodo and Sam is doing. And they're just like dead the whole time. Yeah. And then they'll find the remains like at some point. Yeah. Some intriguing possibilities. You just might be right. Who knows? Um, and Josh was mentioning like f- the the chapter ends with Frodo being lost was the the language that he used. It made me think like, yep. how does the chapter really end? The, these are the last lines. It says, um, "He, meaning Sam, he spun around and rushed wildly up the path, calling and calling his master's name. He was too late. So Again, far, Gollum's weird. plot had succeeded." So I just I liked that last line because you know Sam Sam seemingly you know <coughs> defeats Gollum or or makes it so he retreats and and runs away. 
drives him but off. But the yeah. chapter, the the chapter ends with like that that idea. It's like, well, actually, it, you know, Gollum is successful, so definitely makes you wonder what is going to happen next. Find out next week. <laughs> yeah. What what is what does that mean? TBD. What does it mean for Gollum to be successful? Um, I guess we will see. And next time you can look forward to us discussing not only the final chapter of the fourth the, book of oh, the two towers. Right. Titled the, 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 the choices of titled the choices of Master Samwise, by the way. Of Yeah. Oh, not Sam is the master. Yes, but but yes. but we are we will be finishing uh, the two oh, towers the and having our general book discussion as well. So look forward to it. Josh, did you find anything out about Taxman? Um, it was ranked 113. The article was by Vulture, and it actually goes into a bit of a history about uh, where the song came from, by which Vulture. is apparently due to uh, um, British taxes being like super confiscated practically confiscate the word they use is confiscatory yeah i can't pronounce that word um that's fine yeah which it was not it it was not the review that i remember reading um as in i i clearly have some clouded memory about that uh, not clouded um this this really throws all your opinions of taxman into question if you ask me This changes everything. Perhaps. <laughs> no, it I doesn't mean, change. It changes nothing. The original argument is I never heard this fucking song before you brought it up well, maybe, last year. Maybe now you should reconsider. Maybe you <laughs> have heard it. I have heard it since then because you made me listen to it. But, I mean, you don't even remember what you read about it. Like, it just it just feels like your memory itself no. is kind of being called into question. <laughs> you are in no. you know, a... Uh, uh, I said, <laughs> old folks. Home. You're like this is. You're like this is a lot different Here's from what my... I remember. <laughs> this is this is why I shouldn't be podcasting when I'm tired because I cannot communicate properly. It's it's um, fine, Josh. I mean, you you said what you meant as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think Connor and I are just you know digging a little deeper into your words. That's message all. received loud, deeper and than clear. you should. Yeah, no, oh, we fucker. we get it. We get it. I did not ever hear Taxman before you brought it up. According it's, to your memory, which, you know, we have I established is, is not perfect, let's say. I and, never said my memory is perfect. I said I had a good memory for when it comes to to uh, auditory stuff. I have a better listening memory than I do have but, a reading comprehension memory. But not, but not for reading. No, those are two completely different senses. Also, I was mostly concerned with the big number that it would, they assigned to it, not the par- like two paragraphs they had re- read written yeah, Vulture, just, that I like, read. Think about how many think about how many Beatles songs there are. Yeah, you know? and Josh uh. Vulture is kind of like a hipster. Uh, they did that. say they're not going to put all the you know general public songs uh, first. They're going to kind of be be a bit more curated. Yeah, you should. It really. They literally. They literally ranked all of the Beatles song. First of all, second of all, I got it through Google. Just like it just got served up. But really, you would want to get like a aggregate of like uh, just a bunch of people's opinions at like 
X amount of pubs in England. Yeah, you know, and, like, and I don't have time for that. Precisely. And I don't have time for that right now. Maybe we should take a little field trip to to a little place called London. <laughs> Seatbelts, everyone. <clears throat> maybe, maybe maybe make a little uh, a little. All right. Anyway, it's getting late. I yeah, we. Uh, I think I think we're good here. I think, I think um, we've said all we want to say. Is that is that right? Are we good here? I think so. Well, if you uh, want so, yeah. more, if you want more chapter jumps, if you want to support us, go to Patreon.com/slash/chapterjumps. If you want to uh, get in touch with us or follow us, uh, we are at Chapter Jumps Pod uh, at Instagram and on Twitter. Um, you can email us with questions, comments, concerns, chapterjumpspod at gmail.com. And please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. We would much appreciate it. But until next time. Get ready for the thrilling conclusion of the two towers.